When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's episode 89 of Podcast Royal, and we've got late-breaking coronation information, including a new coronation portrait, our first look at the coronation invitation, and Prince George's confirmed role in the ceremony. The king and queen, yes, let's get used to it now, as it is official, the queen, took their first tour since taking the throne in September, and Prince William took a surprise trip to Poland. Plus, Prince Harry was in the UK last week in court, and Meghan has seemingly avoided a court date of her own. All of this and much more coming at you right now. Welcome back to Podcast Royal. And how are you doing this week, Rachel? I am good. I actually have news to announce to our listeners that I'm really excited about. I mean, Jessica, you've known this for a long time, for like six weeks, but I, as of Monday, the 10th, am the new senior celebrity and royals editor at Marie Claire magazine, which is so exciting. So I have a new full-time job starting on Monday. Congratulations. I've been wondering when you were going to share the news on the podcast. So I'm really excited to hear that. Thank you. Well, it feels like the right time. So I have been listeners. I'm sure that I've mentioned, I know I've mentioned Marie Claire many times on the show because I've been working with them. I was, I started as their weekend editor in February of 2022. And then in September after the queen passed away, I became their Royals editor and, but the, the, those were just on the weekend. So I was, I had another full-time job Monday through Friday. I've worked seven days a week since February of 2022. And I'm so excited to no longer do that. You have no <laughs> idea. And, um, so now as of Monday, I will be at Marie Claire full-time. So I have left my other full-time job. My last day there is the sixth, which is Thursday And then, yeah, so it's a new chapter for me and I'm so excited to be with Marie Claire full time. We've, you know, strived to provide the best Royal coverage as long as I've been there and before that as well. And that will continue. So please keep reading listeners. And I'm just so excited for what's next. Well, you are going to be just swimming in Royal news every day. So every (laughs) single day. You'll be up on everything and ready to talk about it on the podcast. Yes. Oh my gosh. This right now I write eight articles a week. I write four on Saturday and four on Sunday, and now it's probably going to quadruple and gosh, the, I thank God that I like the Royals, right? Because I'm going to be immersed in them for the very, uh, for a very long time. So I'm very excited and thank you. You know, you and I have celebrated like this has kind of been in the works for a minute. And so it's just so excited that it's finally happening and I'm just honored and thrilled. So that's my news. How are you? Awesome. I'm doing great. We have, you know, a lot going on over here. It's, it's a great fun time of year. I love April. April is always a fun month. Me too. Um, Thankfully, the pollen's not bothering me this year. Girl, (laughs) have you been outside today? I literally got a a computer alert that said high pollen alert. So actually, the pollen has not been bothering me. This is such a Southern conversation to be having, but the pollen has not been bothering me until 
um, this past weekend. And, and since this past weekend, I've been a mess. It is bad out there right now. Well, you know, everything's in bloom, which I love. It's like you go to the grocery store and there's all these beautiful flowers and I can never Mm -hmm. resist getting some from my house. And, um, my dog likes to get outside in this weather and I like it too, because it's not freezing cold going on walks. So, um, yeah, spring is just, it's just a fun time of year. I think April weather-wise, April and October weather-wise are my favorite months of the year. So I love oh, yeah. when winter turns to spring and when summer turns to fall. And so it's it's beautiful out there. Unfortunately, the pollen is, at least for me, driving me crazy. But I can't wait to see you again. We've been in this really great habit of seeing each other about once a week-ish. So we need to plan our next dinner soon because... I love spending time with you, but let's get into the Royal Rundown. We actually do have quite a bit to cover that has happened in the past two weeks. So some breaking news to start the Royal Rundown, King Charles and Queen Camilla's, that's going to take me some getting used to, and we'll talk about that in a second, but Queen Camilla, it's happening, everybody. Their coronation portrait has been released as of Tuesday evening. And Jessica, I want you to tell me the first thing that you notice about Camilla in this photo. Well, I mean, the very obvious thing is she is once again wearing that blue color we keep seeing her in. (laughs) You heard it here first, or maybe. I don't know if other podcasts have caught on to this as well. I'm really not sure, but you heard it here on our last episode, or I think it might have even been the one before that, but Camilla is wearing so much blue since becoming queen, and she's in blue again and she looks beautiful. I mean, she looks stunningly beautiful. And, um, but she's in, and we're going to talk about her being in blue again in a minute, but she is wearing blue again. This, this photo came out right before we started recording this Tuesday evening and appropriately the two chose blue as they are pictured in the blue drawing room at Buckingham palace. We also learned more about the coronation today, including that Prince George will be a page of honor along with Camilla's three grandsons, Freddie Parker Bowles, Gus Lopez, and Louis Lopez. They are four of the eight pages. So George will be a page for his grandfather, Charles, and the three, um, Camilla's three grandsons, Freddie, Gus, and Louis will be pages for Camilla. And so Camilla has one other page and Charles has three other pages. And we also got to see the coronation invitation for the first time. And we are looking at it right now on our shared Google doc. What do you think? There's a lot going on on this invitation. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't know. It, it's not, so it doesn't give that, you know, when you see like a really formal invitation, like a wedding invitation, it's very simple. It's like a cream or something with like gold writing. This does not give that. It almost gives like storybook like mm. forest mm-hmm. creature vibes or there's blue butterflies, there's daffodils, strawberries, um, all kinds of different little flowers and greenery. Mm. Um, I mean, I really like it. It's cute. It's, it's really pretty, but, um, mm. I think I see a bumblebee on there too. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's very naturey. Well, that's um, not what I expected. Me. Yeah. I don't know what I expected, but this probably wasn't it, but it is beautiful. And, you know, there's a lot going on in this invitation, but the number one thing that stands out to me is that there's that Queen Camilla. So that is, you know, by virtue of this invitation, I see that as the palace saying she is no longer Queen Consort Camilla, as we've been calling her since September 8th. She is Queen Camilla. And so I told you listeners, I've been transparent that it's been difficult for me to grasp that. But I think that this is my sign 
that henceforth she will be Queen Camilla, no longer Queen Consort Camilla. It bothers me a little bit, but as of today's episode, I am going to start calling her Queen Camilla because that is what she is. So it doesn't matter what I think. Um, any, any thoughts on that before we move on? Yeah. I mean, same. I, it's going to take a little bit of getting used to, but I think that's going to be what we're going to be expected to um, refer to her as, um, Mm -hmm. the invitation's fun listeners. If you can go find it online and take a look, or maybe we can share it on social media. Um, after this episode, but it's very, very colorful. What's going on in the bottom left corner? There's like, does he have this, does that little blue thing have his tongue out? Do you see that? What's going on? (laughs) And then that, that so that thing in the middle, I was reading up on, before we started recording, I was reading up on, I mean, everything on this invitation has symbolism and we won't go into all of it, but it, as, as you could expect, everything has meaning and that little it's literally called the green man and on the bottom of the invitation in the middle. And there's, there's a story behind that too, but I'm just like transfixed by this little creature in the bottom left with his little tongue out. I, I mean, you could look at this thing for forever, a really long time and see all kinds of stuff. Yeah. I don't know what that is. And I will say this is the first time I'm seeing it. So maybe I'll need to inspect it a little bit more and get mm-hmm. some more thoughts, but there's a lot going on in that invitation. But um, anyway, back to George. So George is going to be joined by his sister, Princess Charlotte, his brother, Prince Louis, and his parents, the Prince and Princess of Wales, in the procession from Westminster Abbey back to Buckingham Palace. Everyone will then go up on the balcony as they traditionally do. Their carriage will follow behind the gold state coach, which will be carrying the king and queen. And by the way, I think... Camilla, well, that there could be a whole article or a whole podcast about Camilla's changing titles throughout the years. And when they got married in 2005, it was said that she would just only ever be princess consort. Well, then, of course, the queen in February of 2022, yeah, of course it had to be because she, yeah, she passed away in September, um, said that she would be queen consort. And then, you know, of course, when her late majesty died, we called Camilla queen consort to differentiate between Camilla and her majesty, the queen who had just died. But now that, you know, it's very obvious who we're talking about because it's been what, how many months has it been seven months, I think seven or eight months since, since uh, her late majesty's passing. It's obvious now who we're talking about and that's Camilla. And so now she's the queen. So that's, I mean, I've, you know, we've said the queen for, Ever speaking of Queen Elizabeth II, and I, anyway, it's just not about me. It's not about me. I'm just gonna have to get over it. But so I have some questions for you. Okay, first of all, so I, um, it's been rumored, and now it's finally confirmed. But it's been rumored that Camilla's grandchildren would have a role in the coronation, and now we know. And then she has granddaughters as well, and they're gonna be involved as well. So, do you think? that this is the beginning of an increased role for Camilla's children and grandchildren who have really largely heretofore stayed in the background, right? But now their mother and grandmother is queen. So do you think this is a the beginning of an increased role or do you think this is just a one-off thing? I... I sort of see this as being a one-off thing. I don't, I mean, we really don't see or hear much of her side of the family ever. And I don't really anticipate 
a change in that. Again, you know, I, I think the focus going forward is really going to be on the line of succession and, and William and his children. Um, I would be surprised if we see more from them. Do you have thoughts on that? I think you're right. I think that this, I mean, this is a big, this is a big day for Charles. It's also a really big day for Camilla too. And they will be crowned. Charles and Camilla will be crowned side by side. And so naturally, of course, she, if, if there's an opportunity to involve her grandchildren, she would want to do that. Uh, but I think her kids, Tom and Laura are very private and they want to be that way. They don't want to be in the spotlight. I mean, I think, you know, when you think of Christmas at Sandringham now, you would never think of Tom Parker Bowles and Laura Lopez being there, but when, when uh, her late majesty was alive, but now of course they were, and they will continue to be because that's their mother. And so, but as far as official Royal duties, I agree. I think this will probably be a one-off thing, but um, I want to ask, I have to ask this because as of this recording Tuesday night, the, what day is today? The fourth, we still don't know um, whether Harry and Meghan are going to be there. And, you know, we could debate this, go back and forth forever. I think the RSVP deadline for the coronation was yesterday, the third. And, you know, we know because the Sussex office confirmed it, that they were invited, but we do not know if they accepted or not. So I have two questions. Number one, do you think that we will, will know prior to the ceremony or will we just have to tune in and see if they're there? And the second part is, do you think they're going to come or do you think they're going to skip? I think most likely we'll know ahead of time if they're planning to be there or not. I think it will come out one way or another. Um, you know, it's hard to say for sure. If I had to take a wild guess, I would say I do think that they will attend. I will, I will say this, and I feel pretty confident that I don't believe Harry will attend without Megan. I think they'll either I both agree. go or neither will go. And I'm leaning toward we're going to see both of them there. What do you think? Well, I've said that on the show before. They're going to come as a package deal. And that's not just because they're so loved up or whatever, but it's because of Archie's birthday, right? So they're not going to have one parent stay behind in California with Archie and then the other be in the UK on that day. I think where where whether they stay or don't whether they go or they don't they're gonna do it as a as a family unit well I also think if you have um strained relationships with people like you don't really want to go alone right no absolutely <laughs> so yeah I think, yeah. I think that's also probably a valid reason too is um to just have somebody there who's kind of on your team 100 percent. and so you know if if reports are to be believed Harry and Megan have been making some pretty big demands of the coronation. I think I talked about them on the last episode and you're going to talk about this at length in a minute about Harry being in the UK last week. But I just read an article today that he wanted to see Charles while he was there. Of course he couldn't because we'll talk about this in a second as well. Um, he and Charles and Camilla were in Germany. They were on tour this week and so they couldn't link up and connect. And so I want, I just, I don't know. Like, I mean, obviously I hope to see Harry there. I think that it would be really sad if if Harry missed this huge moment in his father's life. I mean, this, this is the moment that Charles has been waiting for and working for for 74 and a half years. And to not have both of his sons there would be really devastating. Um, so, of course, I hope that they're there, but I don't know if all of Harry and Meghan's 
supposed demands can be met. Like I've read that they wanted to be on the balcony and I read that they wanted to have a birthday shout out for Archie at one of the coronation events and, you know, all of these different things. And I don't know if those demands are going to be able to be met. And if they're not, then the, does that mean that the Sussexes don't come? Well, I, I don't know. Those, some of those demands seemed a little bit unreasonable to me. Um, I don't think a birthday shout out is <laughs> something that should be expected at this type of event. But also, you know, it's really interesting um, if Harry chooses not to attend, he's never actually attended a coronation before. And it's yeah, so strange to people think have. about. Well, it's strange to think about, you know, a member of the royal family, you know, not attending when when the opportunity is there it would seems like that would be something that you would want to go to well especially Um, your father and I think you know if they don't go I think that I don't know how you can come back from that you know I mean after everything so I really hope to see them there but I don't know I mean my my final prediction just because I hope this and I wish this is that they will be there Uh, whether whether they will I I don't know but I I I hope by next episode that either uh, the the palace won't say, but the Sussex team might say that they're coming or not. And so I hope, I hope that we know before the event, I don't know. We'll just again, have to see what happens. Well, while we're on the subject of the coronation, um, we did also hear that president Biden has declined his invitation to attend the event So we got this news and of course, you know, people start reading into it. People are trying to determine if it's, you know, some kind of snub. Um, But I really don't think that that's the case. We've seen a lot come out since then. And it looks like there's really no expectation for a U.S. president to attend this type of event. You know, even though it is a shorter ceremony than what we've seen in the past, it's still a really big production and there's a lot of coordination going on. There's a lot of time sitting in a crowd of 2000 people. So I think ultimately that could be a reason why he chose not to attend. Um, But again, you know, back to presidents not having this expectation. I didn't realize until I read this week that no other U.S. president has ever attended the coronation of a monarch. So you know, he's really kind of keeping in tradition here with that. And I do think, you know, whatever drama that people were trying to stir up around him not attending is a big nothing story. I don't think there's really anything to it. Um, We did hear he could send someone in his place. Uh, So we'll wait and see if that happens. We don't have any word yet on that. Um, But it doesn't look like he'll be in attendance. Well, I have two points on that. So number one, President Biden will be in Ireland this month in the middle of April. And so that would be, I mean, not that it's, I guess, that big of a deal to go back and forth, but I, he will be in Northern Ireland for part of his visit. And I think that I read somewhere that he and the King will link up or or try to link up. Um, Of course, President Biden and, and the first lady were in attendance at the Queen's funeral in September. The second thing is the last coronation was in 1953. The president at the time was Dwight Eisenhower. He, as you just mentioned, did not attend the coronation. He did send a delegation of four men in his place, four high-ranking officials. And so I, if President Biden does not go, which it doesn't seem like he is going to, uh, again, I agree with you. I think it's a big old nothing burger, as they say. And, um, and I think that he will send at least one, if not a small delegation of people in his place and it will be interesting to see who he sends. 
but I don't think there's any there there as far as drama or snubbing or anything like that. So I, I agree with you. But let's talk about the king and queen's first tour since becoming a monarch in September of last year. That happened last week. If you'll remember, we talked about this on the last episode. Charles and Camilla were due to go to both France and Germany. But because of protests in France, that leg of their tour was postponed. The postponement request actually came from French President Macron himself, who said we would not be sensible and would lack common sense to go ahead with the tour after unions planned for a day of pension protests during Charles and Camilla's visit. The two were planning on visiting Paris and Bordeaux, but both cities were ensnared in violence leading up to the visit and some of the worst since protests began back in January, the BBC reported. So the visit to France was slated to be three days in length and no rescheduled date has been set just yet. But that said, the Germany leg of their tour did go on. The couple arrived in Berlin on Wednesday, the 29th of March. They were welcomed off the plane with a 21-gun salute and a military fly pass. They actually made history as the first foreign head of state to be welcomed at the Brandenburg Gate. Camilla, here we go again with the blue. Once again, seems to be a pattern for her these days, wore blue to her Germany arrival. She looked beautiful. I am beginning to believe that this is not a coincidence. Maybe it's just as simple as com- this is the color that she prefers on herself. I don't know. Maybe there's you a know, deeper meaning. I feel like, remember last year, we kept seeing a lot of, at the time, the Cambridges in blue too, but it was like a, and we even saw Queen Elizabeth in this like powdery blue color. And we saw mm-hmm. the Cambridges in these light blue colors. Um, so I'm, I'm sort of wondering, is this like the shades of blue is kind of what the line of succession is adopting as their their preferred color palette lately? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, but I really like this color. I really like this color and the Like the a hat. turquoise. Yeah. Like, I, would you call that a turquoise? I'm like, that's kind of like a, is that like a robin's egg, egg blue to me a little bit. I don't know, like a mm-hmm. Tiffany blue. I don't know. But she, she's got her hat on and that's a little bit, well, that the hat, it looks turquoise, but I digress. Anyway, so. But then, okay, see, wait, I'm, <laughs> I would call the hat more like a teal. Am I colorblind? I don't maybe, know. So, maybe I am. <laughs> um, I'm calling that hat. Yeah, I could see that. It's difficult to see because there's some feather situation happening in the front. But, um, but that, that coat is like a robin's egg blue to me, like a very, that, that coat is the same color that Kate and Charlotte wore to Easter last year. And I love that color a lot. Anyway, I digress. But so that evening, Wednesday evening for a state banquet, Camilla did not wear blue. She opted for a black gown with silver embroidery and she wore the Greville tiara and Queen Elizabeth's diamond fringe necklace. So we're looking at that. I don't like this dress at all, Jessica. Um, what, really? what do you, <laughs> what we're looking at a photo now that I love the tiara, but, um, what do you think of this, this dress? I actually didn't, didn't dislike it. Um, I mean, you know, it, it's not really something that I personally would choose if I was, you know, dressing myself or something, but I think it looks good on her. I think she pulls it off. I kind of like how the silvery in the dress really plays with the tiara that she's wearing and her jewelry mm-hmm. and you know the black is more formal I, I I like that more than um some of the blues but I don't hate it I think it looks I think it looks nice on her so we're looking at a photo of 
this photo is Charles and Camilla and the German president and his wife. And so it's, it's kind of a far away shot and you, and I know that's embroidery on that, but it kind of looks like a pattern from back here. And mm. I don't like the pattern, but like, I'm sure the embroidery is beautiful up close and the tiara is stunning. I mean, that's one of my favorites that I've seen on her. I love that anyway. So, um, and the, and her necklace is beautiful too. Um, okay. Well, we can be on this forever, but the, there's a lot to talk about. They were, they were busy for three days in Germany. So the next day, March 30th, Charles received a standing ovation at the German parliament. He was the first British monarch to directly address the assembly. He gave his speech in both German and English, and he pointed out the bond between the UK and Germany, noting that the two countries relationship meant so much to his mother and he also praised Germany's support for Ukraine during that country's ongoing war with Russia, during which he also reaffirmed the UK's commitment to the cause. So then on Friday, their final day in Germany was a very busy day for the couple. They rode a train from Berlin to Hamburg that morning. They visited the Kinder Transport Memorial to honor the 85th anniversary of the Kinder Transport, which was a rescue mission to save 10,000 Jewish children by providing safe passage to the UK during the Nazi reign. Camilla laid a white rose and close observers noticed that she was wearing Prince Albert's brooch, a sapphire and diamond pin that was beloved by Queen Victoria and has been passed down ever since. It's actually a thoughtful choice as most fashion diplomacy is as Albert was born in Germany and her late majesty wore the same piece while visiting the country back in 2015. And then Charles and Camilla then went on to the St. Nikolai Memorial, the remains of a church destroyed when the Allied forces bombed Hamburg during World War II, which was 80 years ago. Charles and Camilla then, busy day, went to City Hall before Charles went to a green energy boat tour. That is so Charles. And Camilla went to an elementary school where she read to children, which is so Camilla. Mm -hmm. um, and their final engagement of the day took them to the Schuppen. I hope I'm saying that correctly, 52 warehouse venue, Charles raised a pint. It was a big celebration. And then they got on a plane and flew home. So that those three days alone, that's an exhausting visit. Imagine adding three days in France to that as well. It's a, a lot. So while the couple was in Germany, by the way, the first official portrait of the king was released back in London. It was created by Alastair Barford and was done in just two weeks time, which that seems crazy fast. I've never painted a portrait, but that seems very fast. Charles actually never sat for the portrait. I'm sorry. I think this is so awkwardly funny. The artist did have time, time to study him while he attended a Buckingham Palace reception in February where the artist <laughs> photographed him and sketched him. Like, if you don't know who this guy is, you're like, who the heck is this guy taking pictures and drawing the king? What is he doing? But now now we know it's for his first official portrait. Can you just imagine, like, the guy in the corner, like, sketching, and you don't have any context? But anyway, this isn't the first time Barford has painted royalty. He actually painted the late Queen Elizabeth back in 2015. So we're looking at a photo of the portrait. What do you, what do you think of it? Well, I think it's a nice photo of King Charles. I mean, I, I think his face looks kind of like warm and welcoming, like approachable. Mm -hmm. Um, it, it doesn't give royal vibes though. It's like, you know, any, any person could have this portrait in their suit, you know, their, mm -hmm 
high in their suit. Um, it's sort of, you know, just, I don't know. He's, he's not wearing like a crown or anything super fancy, which, you know, I don't know, maybe there's a reason for that, but, um, but as far as your standard operating procedure, stock trader or like wall street, dude. Yeah. I mean, the head of state, you know, I, I like the, you know, his expression seems like I said, warm and, and friendly and approachable. Um, I mean, I don't think it's a bad photo. It's just, it doesn't, I wouldn't see this and think King, right? Like, sure, sure, sure. And maybe that's the point, right? But there, okay, so it's good. It's not, it's not a bad painting at all. It's, it's just like, something's just a little bit off and I'm trying to figure out where it is. Like, maybe it's like the top of his nose or something. Like, <laughs> the bottom half of his face is fine, but like, there's just something around the eyes and the upper nose that like, just looks a little, well, like, looks a little pinched I don't know so just, I think I'm not an is, art critic I think this is common remember when we had the portrait of the prince and princess of Wales I feel like mm-hmm. people said the same thing like oh there's something about their expression and so I every time I see a photo that someone has painted and it's not a photograph I sort of just you know I mean my goodness somebody did this with their hands right I don't expect it to be in two weeks image right so I think this is really great given Mm -hmm. you know what what it is um it's not gonna it's not gonna look exactly like a photograph right because it's hand painted but I do think to your point I think that's something that, that we hear a lot from portraits that are created, you know, not from a camera, whether they're painted or drawn or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's, that's sort of expected, but I mean, yeah, I mean, very, very talented. I think it's a great picture. Yeah, it is. It's, it's very, and it's really, I mean, this is first portrait, so it's historic and it's good. I mean, I, you know, I'm no art critic and I have no room to talk, but there's just a little, and that like, you're right. Paintings are that way. They're not photographs, but yeah, well done. Well done. Well, while we're talking about our royal men, we'll hop over to Prince William. After we recorded last week, we saw him pop up in Poland, totally unannounced. So he was there meeting with British and Polish troops, as well as Ukrainian refugees. We saw him meet with women and children at a center where um, they were able to stay and sleep and get meals and have access to hygiene products. We saw him interacting with kids. They were taking photos. I thought there were some really sweet images from that trip. He was taking selfies and just having a good time. And um, some really good photos came out of that. Um, it's no secret, though, that the Prince and Princess of Wales have supported Ukraine. We've seen them express the support in the past. We just weren't expecting this trip to pop up. But Prince William, you know, like I said, he visited with the troops. Um, I believe he visited with the president of Poland as well. And he actually said that he decided to take this trip because he wanted to personally tell the Polish people and troops, thank you for their support of Ukraine during the ongoing crisis there. We know British troops are over there as well. He met with them and they're helping train Ukrainian soldiers. So that was the purpose of his trip. I think that was something that he personally wanted to do and was really meaningful for him. But did you like those photos that came out of there? I think I shared one on our Instagram. Yeah, they were great. It sounds like it's a good trip. And I think that that's going to be the way 
it's going to mostly go going forward for, I always, I almost call them the Cambridges. The whales is, um, I don't think we're going to see many eight day Caribbean tours. I think it's going to be like Kate's Denmark trip or Williams Poland trip popping over quick, coming back some mostly solo. And I'm, I'm really impressed by the visit. Well, William was not the only one of the whales is working these past few weeks. So last, I think it was Saturday, the Princess of Wales released a video on YouTube highlighting her Shaping Us campaign. So in the video, she met with Richard Walker of Iceland Foods, which is a grocery store chain in the UK. She asked him how his company is incorporating the early years finding in support of Shaping Us. And they talked about this in the video. Catherine mentioned, you know, in addition to children, it's also really important to look after the well-being of the adults raising those children that are going through the early years. And Richard actually talked about giving out food vouchers. Um, he talked about freezing prices on their one pound line for those struggling to really make ends meet. And that's, you know, a few of the ways that they're kind of trying to help support this bigger picture of um, well-being, both for children and adults. He also talked about interactions with people and having conversations and showing empathy. So he said, Iceland Foods is a family business, but it's also a business of families, which I thought was a really interesting way to word that. Mm -hmm. um, he talked about the soft skills businesses are looking for and how those are really developed in the early years. And they also mentioned these emoji boards that they're putting up in their stores to really help spark conversation around feelings and encourage kids to talk about how they're feeling. So I guess they would essentially maybe talk about the emoji that matches how they're feeling that day, whether it's a smile or a sad face or, you know, whatever that might be. So that was really cool. Did you see that video? I, I actually didn't. I need to, I saw that you had put something on our stories or something about that, about Iceland foods. I need to go back and watch that. Yeah, it's linked on the Prince and Princess of Wales Instagram account, so you can go right to it. Um, but we also saw an article by Catherine in the Financial Times. Um, she talked about the business task force she created for Shaping Us. She talked about uh, brain development from pregnancy to age five and how experiences in those early years really shape the social and emotional development of people. So those soft skills that you develop in those years are the ones that are desired in adults in the workforce. And so she's kind of making this connection of how the early years really play into your adult life and, and how development at that stage is super important for um, thriving as an adult. She also tied in the social and emotional development of children into the ESG framework that's being incorporated into a lot of businesses. And I wondered when we got to this point, if she was getting a little too political for what we traditionally see from royals. So she's essentially asking businesses to incorporate this campaign of hers into the ESG framework, which I think will ultimately push companies to prioritize, you know, this, um, campaign of hers if they want to comply to these ESG standards. So I don't know, Rachel, I agree with Catherine that the early years development are really important. I think she's highlighted some really great information that can really be used to support the development of soft skills and, and promote a healthy and, you know, social and emotional well-being. Um, I think her heart is in the right place with this. And I'm not really an expert on this topic, but I just wonder if she's getting a little too political here. 
it does seem like she and Prince William aren't really as shy of politics as we've seen other royals be in the past. I do think there are a lot of non-political ways she can promote her work that will keep her more neutral as a royal, and I feel like she should explore those. Um, But I'm really curious to hear from our listeners on this. I I would love it if listeners would send us a DM or an email. Let us know what you think about her new um, initiative here and how she's promoting it with her business task force, her article in the Financial Times. Do you think that it's a little too political or what are your thoughts there? So I don't know if you have thoughts on that, Rachel, but I would love to hear from our listeners too. I don't think, yeah, I would love to hear from listeners too. I don't think so. I mean, I don't even see, like maybe I'm missing something, but I don't even really see politics. I mean, yes, like there's, there's, she's definitely delving into the business world but I don't, I don't think she's getting too close to politics at all, unless I'm missing well, something. We see her work, you know, really closely with a lot of nonprofit organizations. Um, so I do feel like there's some opportunity there maybe to put some incentives in place or, um, or some programs in place through some of the charities that she works with to really help mm-hmm. promote, um, you know, promote what she's working on. But I don't yeah. know. I'd love to hear from listeners on that. Absolutely. So you did uh, mention earlier in the episode that we were going to talk about Prince Harry. And speaking of royals traveling, we did have both brothers pop up in unexpected places since we last recorded. Um, Like you said, we were all really surprised to see Prince Harry show up in London last week for a court case. He, along with other celebrities, including Elton John, Elizabeth Hurley, and Sadie Frost, are suing the Associated Newspapers for unlawfully collecting private information by bugging phones and placing recording devices in private places. We were really not expecting to see him in London, um, but, you know, his car dropped him off at the high court and he walked in by himself. Did you see him bump into that one recorder, re- reporter, <laughs> I, Rachel? Yes, I did. <laughs> I was like, oh, he did not look happy when, <laughs> when he no. turned around. <laughs> well, but he's probably not happy to have to go to court and he's probably not super happy with reporters in that moment, probably. Well, this was the first time Harry has been in the UK since the Queen's funeral. A lot of people were wondering where he was staying and who he was seeing while he was in town. It seems to me like he was probably staying at Frogmore Cottage, which that was my initial guess. And I feel like I've, I've seen that kind of come out recently. Some outlets have reported that. But, um, you know, we've heard that the Sussexes have until the summer to fully vacate the property. So I do think if they decide to come for the coronation in May, they'll probably stay there then as well. And to me, it makes sense that he would have been at Frogmore during the trip because he probably wanted to go through anything that belongs to him that's still there, remove anything from the property that that he needs to get before they fully move out. So that would be my guess. I don't know. Did you hear it differently? I heard that he stayed with some friends, but I mean, I don't have any confirmation of that. I, I know he did not see any family while he was there. Right. Yeah. And that, and that's one thing I was going to mention is we know he didn't see King Charles or Prince William during this trip. So, you know, I, I do feel like people were getting really worked up over this. There was a lot of chatter online about, you know, was King Charles ignoring him, you know, and I just don't think that was it. As you said, Prince Charles was initially scheduled to be in France. Once that trip was canceled, he was then off to Germany Um, And when he was in the UK, I think there may have been a little bit of overlap there with Harry's visit, but he was staying at Highgrove. So he wasn't even in London. He wasn't nearby. 
And then we know the Waleses have been enjoying their spring break. So, I mean, we're suspecting they're probably vacationing outside of the UK. Mm -hmm. Um, But it just seems like, you know, sometimes you got to come to town to take care of business. And it's hard to meet up with family when you're only there for a few days and people Mm -hmm. have their schedules already planned so far in advance. And I think that's really what it came down to. Yeah, I don't think it was some big drama like people are making it out to be. Well, before we move into our final story of the episode, I want to throw in speaking of Sussex is going to court that Megan won her bid to dismiss her defamation lawsuit brought against her by her half-sister, Samantha Markle. So while Harry was in court this past week, it looks like Megan will avoid it. So good for, good for her. Obviously that's what she wanted. And um, you know, who wants to go to court anyway? So that is over. So moving on, I am, this is our last story of the Royal Rundown. I am endlessly fascinated by the Spencer sisters. These are Charles Spencer's daughters. He has three of them. Earl Earl Charles Spencer, of course, is the younger brother of Princess Diana. He is the father of four. He has three girls and a boy. And he's the father of Kitty Spencer, who I know we've talked about on the show before with her, I believe five, count them one, two, three, four, five Dolce and Gabbana gowns for her wedding back in July of 2021. Stunning, by the way. He also has twin daughters, Eliza and Amelia. And Amelia recently married her longtime boyfriend, Greg Mallet, on March 21st in South Africa, where Amelia and her sisters were raised. By the way, I told you this before we started recording. I always want to call Amelia Abigail Spencer. Abigail Spencer is an actress and she's one of Megan's friends. She was at (laughs) Megan and Harry's wedding, but this is not Abigail Spencer. This is Amelia Spencer. And um, the question about this wedding was whether Amelia and Greg would marry in South Africa or at Althorpe, which is of course the Spencer family's ancestral home. And I'm not saying the two are connected. Don't want to get that started, but I see, I always want to call her Abigail. Amelia chose South Africa and her father wasn't there. Um, Charles Spencer mm. was not there. So um, they, and I didn't mention this, but um, the four kids, so Samuel, the son, and then Kitty and Eliza and Amelia were, I think they were born in London, but they were raised most of their childhood in South Africa. So that's the South African connection. So to be fair, although I really don't understand why um, Charles Spencer also was not at Kitty's wedding in Italy two years ago. So Greg and Amelia married on a mountaintop near Cape Town. They were together for 11 years before they got engaged back in July of 2020. And Amelia has been a wedding planner in South Africa. She's also a model and a luxury brand ambassador. And she and Eliza, who is her twin sister, as I said, moved to London back in 2021 And in February, they made their London Fashion Week debut when they walked the runway for Josh Birch Jones. And honestly, I keep waiting for one of the Spencer sisters to wear the Spencer tiara that Diana wore to her own wedding. I mean, obviously that marriage did not really go well, but the wedding was beautiful and the tiara is beautiful. So I guess now Kitty didn't do it and Amelia didn't do it. So now I guess it's down to Eliza to do it. Although I will say, although a beautiful tiara that Tira um, certainly carries a lot of weight and a lot of baggage with it, but um, I want you to look at this Versace gown, Jessica. I want you to prepare to have your breath taken away. I actually prefer the back of this dress to the front, but I think it is stunning. And, and I love wedding gowns with sleeves. Thank you, Kate Middleton for bringing that back Mm -hmm. in vogue in 2011. Um, I hope this trend will forever reign, but look at the, I mean, just look at these photos. Okay. So I, Yeah, this is a very down to the detail dress. I mean, the lace, you can tell, you know, it's very 
um, very beautiful and very thought out in its design. Something that points out to me, I, I do see where you like the back of the dress more than the front. So the front actually is uh, more fitted at the top and then it it mm-hmm. kind of goes out, I would say what, mid, mid thigh, maybe, maybe like mm-hmm. a little bit of like a mermaid, but grander. Mm-hmm. Um, but the top area, the abdomen part is sort of sheer. There's like a sheer lace. Over Which there. I would never do, but that doesn't mean that Amelia can't um, do it. But- I, that's just not my style. But beautiful dress, but I will say the bridesmaids dresses, I don't think are that flattering. Um, they're this really, really, yeah, I don't thin, like that. <laughs> very, very thin, like satiny looking material. And I feel like you can just see everything with that kind of material, you know, like it, I don't know, something a little bit thicker or smoother, I think would have been more flattering. Jessica, if you do that to me for your wedding, if you put me in that <laughs> kind of dress, I I will have a real problem with that. It's just, yeah, there is so un, it's it's. I mean, the color is fine, whatever. But and I love satin, but the it's just very unforgiving. Like you, like you see everything. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, please don't ever do that to me. But yeah, the sleeves on Amelia's dress are stunning. The back is stunning. Um, does does. Do I kind of, we're kind of like digressing here, but do I kind of see a little bit of a, it looks kind of like a little shoulder pad situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You see that? Of, yeah. I noticed that. Yeah. So anyway, absolutely beautiful. And compared to her sister, Kitty, who had five dresses, she only had two. So we'll see what Eliza does when it's her time. But um, just, I love, and it's going to be a minute before we have another Royal wedding. It's probably going to be Louise or James. And they're still teenagers. And, Mm -hmm. you know, so it's going to be a minute before we have another royal wedding. So we have to grab onto these royally adjacent weddings when we can. So I'm I'm grabbing onto this one. Well, I do think that's interesting that her father wasn't at the wedding or or Kitty's wedding. I had not thought about that until you brought that up. And I wonder why. Yeah, I don't know. And Samuel, Samuel walked Amelia down the aisle. And I don't, I don't know. Um. I don't think they have a strained relationship. I mean, I don't, I, I don't, I've written like one article about the Spencer girls. No, I, and I, and I have written more about Kitty, I think, but um, I don't think there's like strain there. I mean, I know when they got engaged, Charles Spencer wrote a very kind tweet about it. So I don't think there's drama, but I, I don't know. He wasn't, like I said, he wasn't at Kitty's either. So I don't know what's up with that. Well, let's go ahead and get into Royals around the world. Okay, so there's not a ton to discuss this week, but I do want to mention we saw some of our favorite royals in New York City today. Did you see that, Rachel? No, I haven't seen that. So Princess Beatrice, along with Princess Sophia and Prince Carl Philip of Sweden, were all in attendance at the World Dyslexia Assembly today. Princess Beatrice has talked in the past about having dyslexia. And if you didn't know, Prince Carl Philip has also been diagnosed with that. So the assembly, like I said, took place in New York City. Um, Princess Beatrice is an ambassador for the Made by Dyslexia charity, which is part of this event. So they all had their photo taken together. Um, You can go check it out online. Um, She was actually re-wearing a dress of hers. It was like a navy, like collar dress with like a belt around the waist. Um, But yeah, it was a re-wear. So definitely go check that out. Um, 
Another story that we'll talk about today, so the palace in Monaco has had to respond to rumors that Prince Albert and Princess Charlene are getting a divorce. Again, I feel like this comes up like every couple of years. I know. Apparently, a French magazine claimed that they had separated. And as you can expect, that started a bunch of other outlets sharing the story across social media. And I guess it just got so out of hand that the palace felt they needed to make a formal statement. So they responded saying the rumors were totally unfounded and malicious. And honestly, that's the story on that. There really wasn't much else um, aside from the fact that they shut down the rumors. And um, as a reminder for listeners, they've been married since 2011. They had twins in 2014. Um, But yeah, I don't know. I don't know what started those rumors or where that I feel came. like we have this conversation about Albert and Charlene about every other year and like <laughs> even when they got married the big story was that Charlene was crying at her wedding mm-hmm. she didn't want to do it and I mean obviously they're I mean they've been together for 12 years and I mean I just I just feel like let's come up with something new I mean I just I don't know I just appreciate you know, the palace speaking out and saying that this isn't happening. But I mean, I, these rumors have dogged them forever, like literally since their wedding day. Yeah. It's interesting. Um, and there, there's been all kinds of stuff about their relationship for the past 10 plus years. Um, and you know, I think if I remember correctly, the palace has had to step in and make statements before about it. So Mm -hmm. anyway, Apparently, they're untrue. So if you see anything online about that, you can disregard that information. And it sounds like, as you said in a previous episode, we'll see them at the coronation in about a month. Yeah, yeah. So look out for that. That'll be a fun event to spot royals at. Um, uh, yeah. Be like, oh, there's there's all the royals we hear podcast royal talk about. There's there's Monaco. There's, I don't know, sweet, I don't know if they're coming, but Sweden or whoever. Well, that's all for Royals Around the World today. So before we close out the show, I did want to leave listeners with a little um, spring style inspo, I guess. I've got some ideas for you inspired by the Princess of Wales. So we have talked about you know, our lifestyle content and trying to bring a little bit more of that back to the show. We used to do it quite often when we first got started, but we've had so much royal news lately. It's been hard to squeeze it in, but I do have something for listeners today. So if you are looking to incorporate some royal trends into your wardrobe this season, I've got some for you from Catherine. Okay. So we have seen photos of her this year so far and even late last year that has given me some ideas and I've been keeping my eyes out on websites and and looking for trends. So here's five ideas that you can try if you're looking to spice up your your spring wardrobe. First up, consider purchasing a pair of classic white sneakers. So we've seen Catherine in white sneakers a few times and I love these because they're so versatile. We see her wear them with jeans. We see her wear them with trousers. And I also think that they look really cute with a dress or shorts or even yoga pants. Think like a really simple, classic, low-profile, casual sneaker. Um, To me, they make an outfit really fun. And if you're looking for a brand, we've seen Catherine wear both Superga sneakers and the Vejas. Um, but you know, really any simple white casual sneaker will work. So that's number one. 
Jessica practices what she preaches because the other night, less than a week ago, at a Mexican restaurant, I saw her invade Jess. Is that how you say that word? Vages yeah. or whatever. So you have your own pair of classic white sneakers, and I commented on them, and so you were rocking the royal shoe. <laughs> yes, yes. All right. So next, you'll definitely want to incorporate a small handbag into your wardrobe this season. So we do often see Catherine carrying like a mini purse that honestly probably only holds a credit card, a lip gloss, and maybe keys. Not like she really needs any of those items. I was going to say somebody's (laughs) carrying that stuff for her. So that's really the point here. It's a fashion statement. (laughs) Um, And we've seen her wear several brands. So she likes strawberry. She likes pulling. She likes Mulberry um, and others. And a lot of these bags have either like a little, like a small handle on the top that you can carry it with, or they've got a longer strap or a chain so you can wear it like a crossbody. If you want to be like Catherine, I say carry it with the little handle at the top. That's usually what we see her doing. And speaking of me practicing what I preach, Rachel, back in February, we saw her carrying one of the small Polaine bags. Um, when she visited a nursing home, I think. And I was really excited about this because I actually own the same exact bag. And when I purchased it, I did not know she had it. So when I saw her, I was like, wait, that that's my purse. Um, She's but obviously her- following your fashion trends, not the <laughs> other way around. Yeah, maybe so. Maybe she has like a secret Instagram account she's following me on, but um, (laughs) no. So mine is black. She had the navy one, uh, but it was still really cool to see. So definitely look for some kind of small handbag for the spring. Mm. Another item I recommend for your wardrobe is a really light colored warm weather blazer, like a white or a cream. I know Catherine's been loving blazers lately and they're really in style right now. So again, another pretty versatile wardrobe item. I feel like you can put this on for a meeting at the office or you can wear it over a dress if you're going out to dinner. Um, but again, look for something lightweight and a lighter color like white or cream. I think they're very polished, super in style. Um, and I love a blazer. I, how do you feel about blazers, Rachel? Oh, I love them. Love them. I love it when she wears a blazer with jeans and her white yeah. tennis shoes, white sneakers. I love that. Totally. Okay, so number four on my list is a little bit different. I'm suggesting houndstooth. Oh, and God. Here we go again with the houndstooth. Again. <laughs> um, which I don't dislike houndstooth, but just it's not from the University of Alabama. Just clarify. Well, I know this one seems a little bit odd because when I think of houndstooth, I feel like it's maybe more of a winter wardrobe yeah. staple. I feel like we usually see it on coats or other like cool weather fabrics. But I'm actually seeing some warm weather takes on houndstooth recently. As a reminder, you know, we've seen Catherine and Princess Eugenie in Houndstooth um, in recent months, and they were both in the classic kind of black and white colorway. But what I'm seeing online right now is pastel Houndstooth. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just thinking like a really cute tweed Houndstooth dress or a skirt in like a lavender or a robin's egg blue pattern. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we have Easter coming up this weekend, so I'm wondering if we're going to see some pastel houndstooth Easter dresses. Mm. Um, but if you see this online, I say give it a try. I don't know if you'd be into it, Rachel. I know like you're maybe a little bit tired of houndstooth, but no, I'm not I think- tired of houndstooth. I am tired. Maybe I'm tired of black and white houndstooth. I really liked Kate's blue houndstooth. 
Mm-hmm. And said, and I love the idea of like a lilac or a lavender houndstooth dress. I like that. Totally. Yeah. I think, I think freshening it up in a pastel color makes it feel totally new. So try that. And then my last item is not really an item. It's more of just a way of dressing. And that is to incorporate some rewares of your favorite nicer pieces from your closet. Again, Catherine's been famous for doing this for a while. Now, more recently, we saw her rewearing that white gown at the BAFTAs. Um, And like I mentioned, Princess Beatrice was actually rewearing a navy dress of hers at that dyslexia event in New York City today. So don't be afraid to recycle some pieces from your wardrobe. I really like this idea. I've been trying to do it myself and, you know, not shop quite as much um, if I've got something I can already wear. So I love that. All, all totally doable. Like listeners, you can incorporate all of those things into your spring wardrobe. That's, that's good stuff. Yeah. I hope that was fun for everyone. Like I said, we want to incorporate more of these and we'll find ways to squeeze it in along with all of our big Royal rundowns every week. Love it. Well, anything else for the good of the order before we wrap up? That's all I've got. Cool. Well, listeners, we've got some great interviews coming up for you. We've got two back to back. Stay tuned on Friday, this Friday, for a very special interview with royal expert Sally Bedell Smith. She is fantastic. One of the last royal experts I think we haven't talked to on this show. And she was just a wealth of knowledge and she's got a new book coming out. And even though we won't have an episode out next Wednesday, we will have another special guest on the show, April 14th, which is not this Friday, but the next Friday we are having Royal photographer, Chris Jackson back. He's back for his second time on the show. He also has a new book coming out and it is all about the King and his queen and just so many beautiful photos. Both were great interviews and listeners. We know you will enjoy them. So two good interviews coming up and listeners i do want to remind you before we finish today to please go online and follow us on social media you can find us at instagram um, at podcast royal um if you have any thoughts or anything any feedback you want to share with us you can do so at um hello at podcast royal at gmail.com that's our email address and then of course we really really value the reviews please 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 take a few seconds if you love the podcast to go to um your apple podcast app and rate us leave us a review um i think you can also leave us a star rating on spotify as well so thank you so much for tuning in to episode 89 of podcast royal and we'll see you next time bye bye